What in the world is happening to our social fabric today on The Grid? The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. If you're a business owner, you know hiring quality team members is a real challenge. And a bad hire can destroy workplace culture and cost you tens of thousands of dollars to unwind. That's why we use Red Balloon. They specialize in connecting job seekers and employers with aligned values without all of that woke nonsense. Over 15,000 job seekers visit redballoon.work every single week, looking for businesses that won't force them to pledge allegiance to a bunch of liberal policies. Every job seeker on Red Balloon pledges to pursue excellence in their work, create success for themselves and their employer, and avoid bringing personal political agendas into the workplace. At redballoon.work, learn about the packages for entrepreneurs, small businesses, larger enterprise businesses, and even a recruiter service to help you find the right people. Finding the right people can make or break your company's future. Check out redballoon.work today. Welcome to this week's News in Review. Well, if you were paying attention at all last week, you would see that President Trump destroyed a CNN moderator at a town hall meeting. Now, some love this. Some hate it when Trump says to the moderator, you're just a nasty person. Personally, I fall into the latter category. I don't think Trump really needed to say this. Any honest American could see that the moderator was being a jerk. Sometimes you really don't need to point out the obvious. But I do love the paradox at work here. The liberals want Trump destroyed, but the liberals also want Trump to win the primary so Republicans will lose the election. Because this was a campaign event for Trump, those two things collide. The moderator's success would mean Trump's failure, and the moderator's failure would mean Trump's success. I love watching the dog chase the tail on this one. Also this week, Trump was found guilty in a sexual civil case, and he was particularly found guilty of battery and defamation. Now, I don't need to go into all the details of this, but there are so many problems with this case. It's more than 30 years old. The Trump defense was not allowed to bring pertinent evidence to the accuser's credibility, you know, regardless, I don't know if Trump is innocent or guilty. That's really not for me to decide or determine. But the way at which everyone is coming after him seems like we're in a banana republic. When I think of Bragg in New York, when I think of all of these people that are coming after him, it is an unending slew of attacks. Okay, switching to, this is a very disturbing story, quite frankly, but it's also not surprising. And it has to do with America's youth. And this is a perfect example of liberals completely gone awry. You give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Do you remember when marijuana was labeled as less harmful than alcohol? It's needed for pain management of cancer patients. That's what they said. Then it became, well, recreational use is okay, and just on and on. And one of my favorites, because it's illegal, well, that's part of the allure. If you legalize it, people won't be so enamored into using it. Yet, at the same time, medical professionals were throwing up their hands and saying they were very worried that this was a gateway drug meaning it would open the doors to more sinister and harmful drugs. Well, guess what? The verdict is in. We have a lot of data now. Usage rates 
have reached record highs among those who are most vulnerable to marijuana's long-term health effects. The National Institute on Drug Abuse warned that past year, past month, or daily marijuana use, which they describe as 20 or more times in a 30-day period, reached the highest levels ever recorded among those aged 19 to 30. And the percentage of 8th, 10th, and 12th graders who use marijuana daily has more than tripled in the last 30 years. Tripled, folks. Daily marijuana use is indicative of marijuana use disorder. Yeah, I love that. It means addiction to marijuana. It's drug addiction, folks, in case you didn't catch that. 1.3 million individuals, minors, between the ages of 12 and 17, are addicted to marijuana. They account for almost half of all the users. Legalization is associated with a 25% increase in marijuana use disorder. Do you think? Did you think that legalizing it was going to actually make it less addictive? I mean, come on, people. Not only have usage rates increased, but potency and addiction have increased, and the adverse effects have also increased. More than 70,000 minors had to have emergency room visits for marijuana-related instances in 2021. The industry told parents and politicians, we're not going to target your kids. Well, that turned out to be false, too. From Pop-Tarts to Stony Patch Kids, there's all kinds of edibles that are being used now with high-potent THC, and it looks just like traditional snacks. So, not surprisingly, between 2017 and 2021, there was a 1,375% increase in in in-home exposures to marijuana edibles for children under the age of six. More minors are driving under the influence of marijuana than ever before. In 2021, 10.7 million people admitted to driving while under the influence of marijuana, including 1.5 million who were less than 20 years old. That's almost two and a half times more minors on the road under the influence of marijuana than alcohol. Minors have also gravitated towards marijuana vapes and not just smoking the joints. In fact, there's all kinds of products that are engineered to include a near-pure form of THC, which is highly addictive. Between 2017 and 20, the percentage of 12th graders who vaped increased from 10% to 22%, more than doubled. And if you look at 10th graders and 8th graders, it's almost exactly the same. And if you look at 10th graders and 8th graders, almost identical results. In fact, vaping cannabis is the most popular method of consuming it of adolescents in the United States. Very, very disturbing. And not only has the industry been successful in getting people addicted, but they've also changed the mindset. In 1991, when you talked to 12th graders, almost 80% of folks believed, of 12th graders, believed that marijuana posed serious health risks. But in 2021, that's down to 20%. So you just think about from 80% down to 20%. And by 2021, nearly 70% of 12th graders actually approve of the use of marijuana, period, not just whether it was good or bad. And we call this a better society. Regular users are nearly five times more likely to develop a psychotic disorder, and users of high-potency marijuana are four times more likely than users of low-potency to become addicted. Folks, this is what this open and free and panacea-like society the liberals are touting, this is what it results in. It's a very, very sad story. So from drugs, we go to artificial intelligence and AR-15s, and you're like, what did these have in common? 
Well, there was actually an article in which an expert warns that the AI tech is far more dangerous than an AR-15. And you know, and I started thinking about that. I said, yeah, I can, I can see that because an AR-15 can be used in a single instance and it can cause harm to dozens of people. But AI, especially when it's bent towards a liberal and controlled by a government entity, it can destroy societies and freedom across the entire globe. We should be much, much more worried about this. Okay, and in another story, like I said, I've been telling you each week, folks, this is a story that's just going to keep on giving, and it's, it's about the Bidens. Well, some documents have come out, and Fox News is reporting that over $10 million in foreign money flowed like a river, that's how they describe it, into more than 20 shell companies and LLCs created by the Bidens for their financial benefit. Now, here's what's crazy. None of these LLCs, you realize what that is, right? That's an IRS classification of a business. None of these businesses had any other cash or income flowing in them other than receiving foreign cash donations. Now, just wrap your minds around that. Why would you even need to set up all of these LLCs unless you weren't trying to hide it? The criminating evidence comes from thousands of subpoena bank records and wire transfers, electronic transactions. Now, here's also something. Everybody thinks, well, this is just a witch hunt. Republicans are going after the Bidens because of Trump. No, actually, look at this. 170 suspicious activity reports, those are called SARs, were flagged by banks. This is not the DOJ. This is not the, the House doing a, um, an investigation or a committee. These are the banks. And they sent these SARs to the criminal division of the Treasury Department because the banks themselves had flagged these as very suspicious. Well, the Biden administration has refused to cough up these records until the committee in the House forced its hand. There's still more documents to be examined, suggesting, many believe, there's far more than the $10 million we've seen so far. Folks, this is corruption at the highest level. And from there, we go to Elon Musk and Twitter news. I'm going to read you this quote. I am excited to welcome Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter. This is what Musk tweeted. She's going to focus on business operations while Elon focuses on product design and new technology. So let me put that into layman's terms. What Musk is basically saying is the day-to-day operations, the revenue, the advertising, paying the expenses, being efficient, she's going to concentrate on that. Musk is going to concentrate on the technology, the engineering, and I would say the more technical aspects of the business, which makes sense. So who is this Yaccarino? Well, she had been at NBC Universal for more than a decade, where her focus was finding all the best ways for measuring the effectiveness of advertising. So it's not surprising that we move in this direction or that Musk moved in this direction because he said before that he believed that being the company CEO long-term was not in the best interest for him. And I, I believe that's true. I mean, he's got other companies to run. He, obviously, there's Tesla and so forth. He needs someone to be responsible for the day-to-day operations. That being said, as we look into this for free speech advocates, this person could be viewed as a middle-of-the-road individual. She thinks a lot of Elon's content, and she seems to be committed to an open platform. But, and this is a big one, users, that would be Twitter users, started to dig into her past, and they found that Yaccarino holds ties to the World Economic Forum, for which she chairs the Task Force on Future of Work and sits on the Media, Entertainment, and Culture Industry Governor's Steering Committee. Now, if you know anything about the WEF, because we've been talking about them, They are all about transformation and control. The fact that she sits on a media committee and now she heads up Twitter, that should give us serious, 
serious pause for concern. And lastly, since we're talking about ESG today, specifically the social aspect, I wanted to put a plug in for Epic Times and their brand new documentary, The Shadow State. It's a really a documentary on ESG, and you can find it at www.theshadowstate.com. I have it on good authority. It will be well worth your time. Folks, for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Okay, to really understand what is happening to our social fabric, we actually go back to ESG. But today, instead of looking at the religion of environmentalism, we're actually going to look at the S in SG, which is the social, some would say socialism. It is the social components of ESG. And the S, the social contagion, if you will, has gone from you must not do to you must do these things. So there are some really great resources such as PwC. A lot of people know who this is. This is Price Waterhouse Cooper. They're a consulting firm. There's many, many others where they talk about ESG and specifically they dive into the social part. But in short, the S just means to take into account social considerations in the operations of your business. Last week we talked about environmentalism, but now we get into the social aspects. So what qualifies as a social issue? This is probably what surprised me the most. In fact, it surprised me quite a bit. I expected LGBTQ plus type of issues, but I wasn't prepared for others that are quote unquote social issues. So let's look into this a little bit. So besides the latest gender culture issues, social often includes DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. It takes into account both local, regional, national politics. It includes an understanding of the labor market. It includes firearms. Yes, you heard that correctly. It looks at labor strikes and workforce shortages, controversies that damage an organization's reputation. That's an important one. Stakeholder safety, geopolitical conflicts, and supply chain. Remember when we introduced you to ESG, we talked about stakeholder capitalism? The idea that your primary responsibility is your stakeholders, not your shareholders? Anyway, I continue. The S includes complex social dynamics from surges in online public opinion and company boycotts by different groups, all the way to affecting long-term shifts in consumer preferences. These social factors are not as complex and as abstract as they might sound as we kind of read through these. So let's, I guess, bring you some more real-world examples. Walmart became a more palatable, if you will, choice for socially-minded investors after it announced that it would restrict the types of firearm ammunition that it sells. This is a couple years ago, and this was reported by the S&P Global Market Intelligence. Beyond any political points it might have scored in the wake of some of the high-profile shootings, in fact, it happened at two of their company stores, it's saying that it reduced the risk that selling ammunition posed to the company's image. Remember one of the, one of the items we just talked about was your reputation? So it's not what's right and what's wrong. It's we've just got to make sure that we have a good reputation. There was obviously quite a bit of pushback against Walmart for doing that. I know I personally was very frustrated. But the S&P Global Market Intelligence found that people at the end were more likely to shop at Walmart on average after this change was announced. Now, I don't know if that's really true or not. I think you would actually have to look at their data to see that their same stores sales year over year can grow at a higher rate than they did prior to this. But I haven't seen the data, so I can't really comment. But these social factors, they don't just depend on how consumers will judge a company's behavior. 
even things like geopolitical events fall under this ESG investing in conflict type of analysis. In fact, it can cause companies uh, and prevent them from producing or distributing their products in certain markets. So an example might be the September drone attack, again, a couple years ago, an oil refinery in Saudi Arabia. It temporarily halted 5% of the worldwide oil production. And many people analyzed after this event, and they brought up questions like the likelihood of prolonged conflict. How does this impact socially-minded investing? And so these S&P Global Ratings looked at these kinds of things. And they basically saw that oil and gas companies tended to have high exposure to social factors. Why? Because so many people hate fossil fuels and they talk about it all the time. And so that when you have these accidents, it gives serious damage to an organization's reputation. And often it influences or impacts governmental policy because government is not immune to those those same pressures, those same pushbacks, those same reputational issues. So also labor issues fall under this. Again, that was probably one of the more surprising. So sometimes the labor uh, disputes, they have an impact. They challenge the way businesses operate. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But if you think about automobile workers striking, it can result in all kinds of broader economic trends. American retailers have been spending more on seasonal workers. And what happens is is that they identify a work shortage. They end up hiring people earlier than they otherwise would. Now, most of this you look at and you go, okay, that makes sense. They're taking into account the people they hire what the labor market looks like, that's all considered part of the social issue. So, I mean, as we look at look at that, simply the market's going to reward those companies that minimize their exposure to social issues. At least that's what this article says. Now, I would disagree because I, I think I've seen companies respond in a, a slightly different way, which is the market will tend to reward those companies that maximize their progressive nature into these social issues. That's how I read it. So as I read all of this, what comes to mind? How many of you want political conversations in your workplace that go way beyond the water cooler? I'm talking about that it becomes part of the policies of the company. It becomes the mantra, the taglines, the vision, the mission, the values that it's all centered around these social issues. Because that's exactly what ESG requires. It does not allow anything less. It requires these discussions to be absolutely championed by the organization. So Walmart removed handgun ammunition from the shelves. That's a perfect example. I was very upset at Walmart. Why? Because Walmart's job is to sell the products that consumers want, and yet the pressure socially was to stop selling ammo. Even worse, it's still a sham. Walmart still sells various calibers of rifle ammunition, and it still sells rifles, just not handgun ammo. So in reality, ESG is a movement that requires you to espouse a certain secular worldview, and you must take up these issues or you will be punished. And these issues are almost exclusively liberal and often anti-biblical. So the golden child of the social part of ESG has another acronym. It's called DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This you have likely heard of, but did you know this is really a microcomponent of ESG, albeit it's a big driver of the movement itself? So what is DEI? Well, we told you it's diversity, equity, inclusion, but it's actually an attempt to bring equal access and opportunity to minorities in the workplace. At least that's what it's called. But the problem with DEI, like all noble but completely misguided attempts at social change, morphs into something that goes far beyond that. What started as just a movement to make sure there was equal access ended up being indoctrination, not to just accept, but to support, but to champion ever liberal social cause lest you be deemed a hater and a bigot. And I can tell you from my experience, the white conservative Christian is the most discriminated person in today's society. 
In fact, you might even say that one of the precursors to DEI was actually the Civil Rights Act. Now, I'm not, hear me, hear me clearly here. I believe in equal rights. I do. But when you think about what resulted from the civil rights was affirmative action. And it's the affirmative action. I love what Justice Thomas says. He said, good discrimination is still discrimination. You don't fix discrimination by creating more discrimination. Yet, in essence, that's exactly what affirmative action did. Now, I'm not whining and complaining. I'm just trying to call out the truth. Social gender ideology, victimized mentalities, these are the most protected groups that exist today. So we create all kinds of programs to train on microaggressions and unconscious bias. And I'm not saying these things don't exist, but it has become a platform, the launch pad, if you will, for justified, legalized discrimination against traditionally held biblical, social, and family values. And the problem is that now it's become the standard. It's become the benchmark. It's the measuring stick for those who are accepted versus those who are vilified. And that's where it comes in regarding the ESG. Just like we talked about last week in your carbon score and your environmentalism score, so the same applies to the social, to the S in ESG. If your company doesn't have the right policies, positions, programs, people, and infrastructure, you are going to get hammered by your social score. And if your E score and your S scores are low, then overall, you've been marked. You've been targeted. You have been blacklisted. And you are now on the outside looking in. And that's what happens with this kind of ideology as it makes its way like a cancer into everything we do. Free speech, gone. Free thought, gone. Persecution, it's coming. Control, it's here. Like the E-score, don't think for a moment this is relegated to the large business world. It's on its way to your local area. The government isn't just accepting this. They are promoting and championing these causes. It's why the military is having drag queen events for their soldiers. I'm telling you, it's more pervasive than you can possibly imagine, and it's not long before it becomes an individual application. Do you think that businesses are looking at their social media accounts and making hiring decisions on what they see? I guarantee you that's happening. Do you think for an instant a woke company that has two candidates and one has Facebook pictures of participating in the gay pride parade and the other has hunting photos? Which one do you think is going to get the job? It is so important to understand this movement. It is no different than the progressive nature of sin. Its appetite is insatiable. It will not stop. That is the definition of progressive. It never stops. It never gives up. It keeps creating pressure. It keeps moving forward. Okay, I see shared videos every day of one-year-old Johnny falling asleep with his face in his birthday cake. If you can share that video, surely you can share the grid with your friends and neighbors. Post it on Facebook, like it on YouTube, share it on Twitter, email it, text it. Help us grow our audience. And for goodness sake, hit that like button and give us a five-star rating when you listen. Thank you for joining the fight for faith and freedom. So I hope this helps you understand a bit now just how the destructive nature of ESG can be. It is a social contagion that is meant to divide, conquer, vilify, and destroy biblical values. Individuals won't say this because I think the movement is larger than any single individual. You won't hear me complain about individuals choosing this lifestyle or that one. But their choice is being used to promote Satan's agenda, which is to abandon God in every aspect of society. Fauci, Soros, Schwab, these folks do not live by faith, yet they are trying to change things on a global scale. They are ones that are making decisions that affect you and I. And while they operate at a global level... However, we have the opportunity where we can make a difference at a local level. Every single district attorney that's backed by George Soros, we should oppose. 
Brave folks like Riley Gaines, we should support. We need to boycott the NCAA and Disney and every other woke organization that believes that social destruction and DEI is the panacea of the future. Again, I'm not opposed to how I can treat others better. Absolutely should. But I can do that without sacrificing my personally held religious beliefs. But the left is not satisfied with that. They want to make my beliefs both illegal and punishable. Okay, that's enough ranting for today. But hopefully over the last two weeks, you've gotten to see a lot more of what's behind ESG as we have done this deep dive together. It's here, and it's dangerous. Let's push back with all the tools and resources at our disposal. And that's how we're going to make a difference. Thanks for joining the fight for faith and freedom. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Red Balloon, and all the pushback they're doing against wokeness in the workplace. Go to redballoon.work today to learn how like-minded job seekers and employers can find each other. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.